Welcome everybody to the very first show of Wrestle City, a wrestling podcast. My name is Mike. My name is Ryan Joy. And we are streaming from two of the biggest cities in professional wrestling. I am from Allentown, Pennsylvania. And you are streaming from? I'm streaming from Florida. Um, Not really a city, but a pretty big wrestling state. I'm in the middle of the city. So So Allentown, Pennsylvania is, if everybody would know, is one of the well-known cities that WWE had recorded from for their TV back in the 70s and 80s. And right now, Florida is basically the biggest state for professional wrestling to date because of the pandemic. AEW is recording down there. WWE is recording all their shows down there. Um, Since the pandemic started, that's where we've been getting our professional wrestling from. Yeah, yeah. Every, everything you see on TV is coming from either the Amway Center these days or from Daly's Place, right? So, um, so yeah, Florida is basically the epicenter for all of professional wrestling right now. Sure is. WWE was, for the first couple months during the pandemic, was recording from their performance center. They were doing Raw and SmackDown. NXT did a couple shows, and then NXT decided to move their shows back into um, Full Sail University. And then AEW, after the first couple weeks, moved into Daly's place to do their events. Um, so it's been pretty crazy. Um, a lot of people would think, why start something new during a pandemic? Well, we have nothing but time during these days. So, and watching professional wrestling has become one of the biggest things to do because you can't go to live events, you can't go to concerts, you can't go to sporting events even though they're starting up again. But we still had pro wrestling through the pandemic. So, what have been your experiences with pro wrestling through this pandemic so far? Well, the first, I mean, at first it was like, oh man, everything that I was looking forward to watching from companies like New Japan was getting canceled. Um, Luckily, and there was there was fear. Okay, WrestleMania is going to get canceled. Okay, well we got through that. We got WrestleMania. It was a little different. Uh, New Japan shut down for several months. Ring of Honor still shut down. They're just starting back up. Um, so I had actually tickets to a whole bunch of live shows that I was going to. And they all got canceled. So that was a total bummer. I was supposed to be at Money in the Bank. I was supposed to be at SummerSlam. But you know. We're, we're getting through it, so I've just been to a lot less live shows, but in the in the space of time, I've been able to make sure that I've watched almost everything that's coming out, so I'm watching Impact on Tuesdays, and I'm watching New Japan, you know, I'm getting up at four in the morning to watch them show those shows live, so uh, it's a different experience, but it's a good experience. Yeah, for me, I mean, the first, the first time it was announced that, you know, the pandemic was shutting stuff down, you know, SmackDown was being moved to the Performance Center that first Friday after that Monday Night Raw was live. Um, my first thought was, what what is it going to be like with no fans? You know, we the only time we've ever seen wrestling matches with no fans is when we had empty arena matches. You know, some of the matches I can think of memorable, like Kurt Angle and Sting back in the TNA days, battling for the TNA title. Uh, back during the Super Bowl, we had The Rock and Mankind, one of the other noticeable empty arena matches. But now we were getting empty arenas for the first couple months of this pandemic and no crowds. And, you know, me and you, we met at the very last live WWE pay-per-view 
which was Elimination Chamber. And it was my first, in the 30 years I've been watching pro wrestling, the 30 years I've been watching WWE, it was my very first televised WWE show. And it was crazy to think, two weeks later, I'm like, wow, I just seen WWE's last pay-per-view with a crowd involved. And watching that first SmackDown with no crowd was kind of cool because it felt like it, it was like an intimate setting. Like you were kind of there, but you know you weren't. But it was like that intimate setting because the wrestlers, the performers were actually starting to break what they like to call the fourth wall and looking into the camera, which we all know is a big no-no in professional wrestling. Um, but as the weeks went on, for some shows, it was kind of like, oh man, like they were hard to get through. But at the same time, it was like they, they gave you just enough to be entertained for the couple of hours with no fans being there. And then they started allowing superstars for both, you know, AEW and WWE superstars allowed to be around ringside. The atmosphere, and real quick, the atmosphere that, that, that you've seen with AEW and letting the men and women be around ringside, did that, did that make the show a little better for you? Yeah, I think so. It, 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 it gave more for us to watch. It's almost better than, it is almost better than having the actual fans around because there was more interaction um, no, it's not better than fans. I think that's been proven over time. But what I'm what I'm saying is like it gave the shows another element to play with. You know, like Kip Sabian's down there making bet. Um, Sean Spears is making bets with MJF and things like that. So it just gave something else to the show that wasn't previously there. Um, so it, at least it was something in the absence of all the fans. And that was um, the hard. That was the hard part with WrestleMania was was when we found out WrestleMania wasn't being canceled but being moved to the Performance Center, and then it was being split to two nights, it was like, wow, this could be either really, really good or it can be really, really bad. There was no in-between. But WWE, in my eyes, they found a way, the performers, the ring, ringside crew, the, the announcers, everything made it enjoyable for those two nights i honestly and and there was a lot of mixed feelings and i know there was even for pay-per-views past that in the performance center that said oh it wasn't that good well the way i look at it is if you pay attention to the stories that build up to the matches like the randy orton and edge match you know like drew mcintyre's match with brock lesnar you know even braun Strowman taking the place of roman reigns to face goldberg for the universal title those matches had the meaning, and if you just stuck, kind of just put yourself in the position of being engraved into those storylines, you kind of felt those three hours of those two split shows just giving you that escape because everything else was shut down. You couldn't do anything else. AEW giving you that, that atmosphere of, like you said, the MJF and Sean Spears making bets during matches. You know, we got the TNT title tournament that led us up to double or nothing with the finals uh, between Lance Archer and Cody Rhodes, which kept a really nice excitement to AEW, you know, giving us a new championship during a pandemic. People even complaining about that championship because it wasn't done. But even the announcers telling us, the championship's not done, guys. 
you know, we got to finish it. And now it's finished. Really quick question to, to kind of segue into um, our next point here is what did you think at first of that TNT title? The belt itself, I thought, was underwhelming. Um, I'm not a big belt guy, but looking at that belt, you know, it was just kind of silver on red. kind of looked like a toy, so to speak, um, which it was such an understated belt for such a really good tournament, I thought, um, you know, especially culminating at double or nothing. But um, even now... The, uh, with the gold uh, gold lettering and stuff around it, gold plates, it's it's still kind of a weird-looking belt to me, but it's growing on me. It's growing on me. It's different, and, and that's something. I actually, even the starting point of that belt, I'm not going to lie, back when we got the Universal Championship, I was not happy about it being just, like, plain red and a finish like the WWE Championship. But when I seen that TNT title, I was like, man, that kind of reminded me of the FTW title that Taz brought to ECW. But it just had big TNT on it. Um, but I actually, even with it not being finished, I enjoyed it. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually kind of cool with the fact that, you know, we got introduced to a new championship. And it, it literally, I actually liked the championship when it first came into play. Um... But now, pandemic is is still going on. AEW is introducing fans into the crowd now. You know, allowing certain people to come in. WWE still kind of, still kind of, uh, you know, doing their thing, and they create the Thunderdome, which I know we're going to get into in a little bit. But we're coming way fresh off an event that just happened near five hours ago, which was a New Japan Pro Wrestling show. And uh, I didn't get to see it, but you got to. And, uh, you know, if you'd like to discuss that, that show a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, let me, let me go into this. It's kind of a unique event. So New Japan Pro Wrestling, for the first time in 21 years, had an outdoor show in Jingu Stadium. Uh, so it's a baseball field. So it's kind of wild because the show opens up and it's broad daylight. You don't see that in pro wrestling that much uh, anymore. Occasionally at Daly's Place, you'll see, you know, some daylight if you're watching Dark or something like that. Um, But, yeah, so it's really interesting, really interesting vibe. Um, Crowd all spread out, so it didn't look like a packed house, but but still, they were were loud. You could hear them throughout the show. So it was basically like, you know, 92 SummerSlam at Wembley. Yeah, they had the sun shining all day. You know, ninety three thousand people packed around the place. You know, kind of like the Wembley Stadium SummerSlam. Yeah, except that people were social distanced, so it wasn't it wasn't jam packed. Um, You you can visibly see a lot of empty seats, but that was you know for precautionary measures. Um, It started at five o'clock in the afternoon, so by the time the show ended, of course, it was dark, um, which the commentators made sure to, you know, talk about the imagery there, you know, darkness falling on the event. Does darkness fall on the title reign of so-and-so? But uh, that actually happened quite a few times. (laughs) There were 
So there was a total of six matches. The first the first one was Yoshinobu Kanemaru versus Master Wado. Master Wado is um, not really a rookie in wrestling, but he's coming back from his excursion, which is something they do in New Japan. Um, he's just coming back into the company, and Kanemaru is a 23-year veteran. So Kanemaru got the victory, uh, which was kind of considered an upset. Um and then after that, it was title match after title match after title match. So everything, the next five matches were all title matches. Only one of those matches did someone retain a title. So I'll run through them. Um, Toru Yano, who is a bit of a comedic wrestler. I'm not sure if everybody follows New Japan, but he's kind of, I'd close, most closely relate him to Colt Cabana. That that was going to be my one question is is for those who don't watch New Japan like myself I don't get to see New Japan, um, so this event was almost like uh, for those who watch WWE a clash of champions. Sort of because there, well it wasn't all of the titles but it was most of the titles you know almost every match was a title match and this this first title match was actually a new championship that's being introduced and. It's called the KOPW Championship. It's really interesting because it's different than most titles. There's not a title belt. It is, um, they had a series of stipulation matches that the fans voted on stipulations. And then once they got through those, they narrowed it down to four people who did a fatal four-way tonight or this morning. And the winner is the interim KOPW champion. And they defend that interim status from now through the end of the year and then at the end of the year the person who has the trophy, that's what it is the KOPW trophy, the person who has it at the end of the year is the 2020 KOPW champion and then it all starts over next year. So it's an annual like sprint type of thing. So Toriyano, like I mentioned, he's the comedic wrestler. He pinned Kazuchiko Akata um, who is He's not the current heavyweight champion, but he is typically always in the heavyweight um, picture. So that was a wild upset. Um, after that, they went into their never open weight division. So in, in New Japan, they have a distinct junior heavyweight division and a distinct heavyweight division. What the never open weight is, is you can wrestle across both. So the current title holder was Shingo Takagi. He lost it to Minoru Suzuki. It was a hard-hitting match. Um, elbows to the face uh, repeatedly until Shingo could hardly stand anymore. Then he went to a rear naked choke and a gotch pile driver to win the match. Really good match. Um, real quickly, because I know we've got a lot of other stuff to get through, Taiji Ishimori uh, won the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion from Championship from Romo Takahashi, uh, Zack Saber Jr. and Tai Chi. They d- defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kota Ibushi to retain the tag team titles. And then in the main event, Tetsuya Naito defeated Evil, uh, regaining the Intercontinental and Heavyweight Championship. So, incredible show, especially for only being two and a half hours. Um, if you weren't doing anything between 4 a.m. and 6.30 a.m. this morning, it was there. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, I don't get to watch New Japan too much. Um, it's something that I definitely, within the next coming 
weeks, days, months really want to get into because I know a lot of people that are into New Japan and it's something that I've always been interested in getting involved with. Um, and I know pay-per-views events for those, again, listening who do not watch New Japan, um, you know, these, the start times for events are different times. It is, uh, their time. So anybody that is looking to watch New Japan shows, um, first off, where can people catch New Japan shows on a weekly basis or where could they possibly follow, uh, New Japan pro wrestling shows? So the first thing I would recommend is, um, NJPW 1972 is kind of like their, um, just their website where it gives you all the wrestler profiles and news and things like that. They have a streaming website, which is njpwworld.com. It costs 999 yen per month, which comes out to about $9 and 20 cents. So, um, that's how, that's how I do it. And if you go to the new Japan world website, um, there is a schedule that tells you everything. They don't have like a set Monday at 8 p.m. is raw. It's they have a kind of a rotating touring schedule, um, and each each uh, tour or loop brings them to a main show. So, you go guys go. I mean, pretty much uh, a lot of plugs so you can watch New Japan, and pretty much ex- not so expensive. It's pretty much like paying for the WWE Network. You're paying not even ten dollars. Um, so pretty affordable to be able to catch New Japan. Um, definitely something I'm going to be looking into so I can catch New Japan Pro Wrestling. So thank you for plugging that. Um, like you said, at the New Japan show, they had the social distancing in the big arena, the big stadium. Um, we seen, you you seen the, the daylight, of course, because it's a t- different time difference. Uh, but we go into the social distancing. And something that WWE has definitely improved on uh, in the past, let's say, week and a half, was creating the Thunderdome inside the Amway, uh, Amway Center, which is the Orlando Magic's arena. Uh, basically, the way I like to describe the Thunderdome is an arena inside of an arena. And they have digital fans. So, your thoughts on the Thunderdome. Do you think it makes more of a difference now than what they've been doing in the performance center or do you enjoy the performance center a little more you know when i think about when i think about wwe their strengths are always in their production and you know they have the killer the killer budget and the experience and the connections um to really deliver on their production value and their presentation. Thunderdome, I think, was a risk because uh, who knows how that was going to turn out. And the thing I like I like the most about it is the immersive entrance. You know, they can take the lights down and then they can fill all those monitors with images to support the scene's entrance or Cesaro or whoever the character is that's coming out. That's my favorite part. It's this completely immersive uh, experience for entrances and celebration moments and things like that. Okay, so there's that portion of the Thunderdome. Then the other portion is during the match, now we have a live crowd. So 
that part at first, the first couple of shows, I have to admit, I was watching and I'm like, I don't really, I don't really care for that. But now, now I've watched with three shows now, and I'm like, okay, it's growing on me. It's it's something in the background that's not empty space. I know there are people uh, where you hear you hear the the chants and the the clapping and stuff. You know, like it's coming from somewhere. So it's got a little something extra to the show now. So it's good. Yeah, they have like the pre, uh, and you and you could tell this, and and again, uh, you know. For those of you who are listening to this very first show, this uh, um, we went over some things, and the one thing that we really um, didn't want this to be was like a dirt sheet type of deal. This isn't really a dirt sheet type of deal, what I'm about to say. Basically what it is, is it's pre-recorded crowd sound to kind of give that live feel because they aren't able to get audio from everybody who is on the screens in the crowd. And even just having that little bit of crowd sound, I honestly, I liked it. I liked it from the start, and I'm going to be honest. Um, the first SmackDown that they tested the Thunderdome on, I didn't watch. Because I wanted the Thunderdome to be presented to me at something bigger than just a regular televised. So I waited until SummerSlam. I'm going to be honest with that. I know what happened on that SmackDown. But I wanted the Thunderdome to be be introduced to me on a bigger stage. And for it to be at SummerSlam, just to see it for the first time, it almost pretty much gave me like that, wow, this really made up for what we missed at WrestleMania. In a small sense, because who knows if they were going to incorporate the the ship in Tampa Bay. Who knows? Were they going to put it in the entrance? Maybe. Maybe not. Nonetheless, I mean, and a lot of people were focused on that ship. A lot of people were focused on that ship being part of like the entrance or being used in some way, shape, or form. But just the just the aura of the Thunderdome, I liked it the minute I seen it. I said, "Wow, I can't wait to see, you know, the Fiend's entrance. I can't wait to see what they do at Braun Strowman's entrance. I can't. I couldn't even wait to see Sasha Banks's entrance and Oscar's because it's like, wow, like these entrances, specific entrances, you knew were going to be special because of all the screen work they had to play with." And I was so excited to see the Thunderdome, and we're gonna I, we're gonna get into uh, payback in a little bit. But I signed up to try and get into the Thunderdome for payback on Sunday. That's how excited I was, and I was said to myself, I gotta sign up for one of these shows, and I was able to catch it the day of signups, which was uh, which was on Friday. So, um, so next week you'll be able to tell everybody about that experience. That'll be. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm pretty excited. Um, I mean, so the ruling of the Thunderdome for those for those listening and and don't know the ruling of the Thunderdome. First off, they have a link you can click on, and then you pretty much put your personal name in your email address. Then they send you an email for verification, you know. And if you verify on time, then you're on the list. That doesn't necessarily mean you're in the Thunderdome. You got to log on to your email at like 6:40 p.m. And be able to be ready to click that link at 6:42 p.m., and then it takes you to a website. And at 6:45, the entrance link will come up, and you gotta click it. And if you click it at the right time, you get in. If you don't click it on the right time, then you don't get in. So it's first come, first serve. That's what was explained to me. So it's not guaranteed that I'm gonna be in yet, but if I get in, it's definitely gonna be something that I will talk about as far as experience-wise. Um, on this, and I'm going to make sure that if I do get in, that uh, 
I don't have anything, you know, pretty much non-WWE related hanging around because they can kick you out of your screen as fast as you get on. Because they are very, very much so monitoring the people on the screens because, I, you know, if you go back and watch stuff that happened at SummerSlam or Raw or SmackDown, there have been people that put stuff on the screen, they don't like it, click off. So that's they've been very, uh, very... Uh, can't really find the word to think about what I wanted to say there, but they've been very, very quick to the gun on kicking people out, um, especially after SummerSlam, because SummerSlam, you know, we've seen the scene, the, the uh, a screen that said "Fire Velveteen Screen Velveteen Dream" for a whole match, and then yeah. uh, there was also some um, pretty explicit, not so good other stuff that was on a screen, and uh, now they're very, very hardcore with uh, with watching who they have and what they have on their screens. So, but yeah, I will talk about that experience uh, next week if I do get on the Thunderdome. So, um, so after SummerSlam, which was a very amazing event, real real quick, and uh, one to ten, you're great on SummerSlam. Real quick, I'd say about an eight. I, you know, I was so excited for SummerSlam. Uh, just, I was, I was just really amped for it. It was, you know, the third, probably third biggest show of the year for WWE and. Really, I think they delivered. It was a small card. It wasn't 20 matches like you sometimes get. Um, and I was looking forward to that, so it was condensed, very watchable. Um, yeah, I liked it. I I have to honestly say I give them a home run. Yeah, that's great. Every match, every match to me, I enjoyed. Um, even matches that really didn't seem to appease, like pretty much catch people's eye, like Sonya Deville and, and Mandy Rose. Like, a lot of people were saying, oh, this is just a, one of those matches. Even just that match alone really just had my attention. Every match, everything that was happening caught my attention. So I literally, I give them a home run. I do. And I can't say that for many of the pay-per-views they've had since pandemic started. But honestly, this was a home run. I think this was their their second, if not their best pay-per-view in the past couple months. Next to oh, WrestleMania. I agree. It, um, I think this was the best pay per view of the pandemic era. Yeah. I and honestly, like it's above WrestleMania in my opinion. Um, there were no cinematic matches, which is which is the first time I think since the pandemic started. But um, I'm okay with that. The, the you know the the graveyard match or the boneyard match was the best one for as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Hard I to mean, get past that. Yeah, I mean, we had the Boneyard match, we had the Firefly Funhouse match between Cena and, and you know Bray Wyatt, and then the at at, um, at the following event we had that little tag team cinematic between the Street Profits and the and the uh, the Viking Raiders. That little scuffle they were supposed to have before their, they they had before the, what they were supposed to have their tag team title match, but didn't happen. And then we had you know at Extreme Rules we had the Swamp match. So we had pretty many cinematic matches. Um, so you say that the that your favorite was the Boneyard match, Undertaker, AJ Styles, so far since then. Uh, you know, I think so, but then I it it depends on if you consider Randy Orton versus Edge in the greatest wrestling match ever, also cinematic. And the way it was shot, it was definitely um, it was definitely shot in that manner where they did retakes and things like that. But it was a wrestling match, so it's kind of a different animal altogether. Um, there's that one. Also, Money in the Bank was a cinematic match. That's so, right. I forgot about Money in the Bank. 
So I, there's some some really cool things about each one, but the for as far as like the first big one and the one that knocked it out of the park was definitely the Boneyard match for me. Yeah, I definitely have to agree with that, but I, I, I think one that would have to tie that uh, would be the Money in the Bank, because now that you reminded me of that, just the nostalgia stuff that we've seen in the Money in the Bank. You know, yes. with you know with Johnny Ace coming in and just all the different other stuff. Even AJ seeing that little room with The Undertaker. It, like, it was just some of the n- nostalgia stuff we've seen and some of the, just the small surprise stuff. And then, you know, with, with the two winners, like Otis winning Money in the Bank, and we had Oscar win Money in the Bank, but then obviously... You know, her prize was the championship because of Becky Lynch being out, you know, being pregnant. So, um, yeah, um, I, I would have to say, it's, if not the Boneyard match, it would have to be Money in the Bank. Um, speaking of Asuka, new Raw Women's Champion, she won at SummerSlam, had two matches. First against Bailey, which we've seen Sasha Banks uh, help Bailey. And then in the Raw Championship match, we've seen Sasha Banks lose to Asuka basically because Bailey refused to, in my eyes, refused to help Sasha after Sasha gave her the favor. And then the following night on Monday Night Raw, we've seen the rematch between them. Lumberjack match. Your thoughts on that match? Uh, well, Asuka in general. Um... I think is the MVP of the pandemic era, uh, particularly on the on WWE programming. Right from the very beginning, she just took control of the experience. She was loud. She just provided entertainment value that um, some of the other other bland wrestlers could not, I guess. And I, I don't mean to be insulting by saying bland, but Asuka was far from that. She's colorful, she was loud, she was boisterous. Um, she made up for the crowd not being there. So, in my eyes, makes sense that she is the champion. Um, makes sense that she got through got through that first title defense. Um, I like a good lumberjack match. Um, so, yeah, so it's good. And the, the one thing, um, and, and I think I, I have to agree with you on that standpoint, she's been very, very vocal, very entertaining. Um, I think she's been one of the stars because there has been another star and it also has been somebody in the women's division. Now, this person hasn't been around for the past, I'd say, month or so, but Charlotte Flair. I mean, Charlotte Flair... We've seen her on Raw. We've seen her on SmackDown. She was the NXT Women's Champion after WrestleMania. She was on all three shows. And pretty much right after she lost that NXT Women's Championship, we didn't see her at all. But I I think her and Asuka in the women's division have been pretty much the all-stars. And, and you might disagree with me a little bit about this, but... Bailey's starting to get there. We've seen no, her on I, all the programming. I don't disagree, actually. Bailey and Sasha Banks are... Yep. If they're not the top act in WWE right now, I'm not really sure which act is above them. I mean, yes, all three shows. Um, Bailey's knocking out of the park on the mic. 
and, and it's it's clear when the, when you have a combined Bailey and uh, Sasha promo, Bailey has come so so far. Sasha used to be light years ahead of her in that department, but yeah, Bailey is. When she first did the heel turn, it was kind of like, oh man, I don't know if this is going to work. It's really flip flop from her previous character, but she's really mastered it, and people people do not like her, which is what she is where she's supposed to be. Well, that's that's the aim of a heel. You're not supposed to like a heel, you know, and that's why you hear a lot of people say, oh, I don't like King Corbin. He's just annoying. Yada yada yada. It's because he's a heel, and he's doing. <laughs> He's doing what he's what he's made to do. He is a top heel in I think all of professional wrestling and he's just we I mean because of pandemic and everything and I know we're using pandemic a lot and it's it's pretty much the the highlight of the 2020 so far. Um so but he's been a guy who I think we should be seeing more just like we've been seeing Bailey, who's been building her heel character. And Bailey, being on all the shows, being on Raw because of holding the women's tag titles with Sasha, being on NXT because of holding the tag titles with Sasha, and then being on SmackDown because of not only holding the tag titles, but being the SmackDown Women's Champion for the past, what, 322 days? You know, she's pretty much ready to break a, a standard record with that Women's Championship. So I want to make a couple of points off that because I think there's some some interesting things there. Um, King Corbin has more losses than anybody else in WWE except Tony Nese. (laughs) Singles losses. Um, People get to know me. I actually keep stats on everything. So I have, um, for 2020 at least, I have everybody's wins, losses, ring time, all that kind of thing. So in in singles matches... Yeah, Tony Nese has 15 losses. King Corbin has 12. He only has two wins all year, which is which is incredible when you think about the amount of uh, TV time he's and the amount of um, he's he's not used in a role where he's winning a lot. Yeah. He's there to to make other people look exceptionally well. Yep. Yeah. Um. Who's the who's the other person that you brought up? Um, I'd say King Corbin, Sasha Banks, Bailey, Charlotte. No, I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> well, another thing we seen on Raw was was Randy Orton not getting one or two, but three punts to WWE Champion Drew McIntyre. And with that being said, Randy was doing a little bit of bragging in the ring after he did it. And we see Keith Lee come out for his Raw debut. Limitless Keith Lee. I, I think that, uh, you know, it was, I felt strongly that he was going to be pretty close to the main event when he debuted. I didn't think he would be down in the, um, let's work you up through, we'll have you beat Tozawa, we'll have you beat this person and that person. I thought they put him pretty close to the top. Did I think they put him against Randy Orton first? No way. So that was a really cool surprise um, that Keith Lee has 
I mean, let's be honest. Put it, he's in the main event picture. He is. He is in the universal or the WWE Championship picture. I agree. He's next guys with Randy Orton. Like Randy Orton, he gets this win this Sunday, and I know we'll talk about that. You gotta be thinking that he's he's got a a title shot in the near future. Oh, I I highly agree, and I think I think honestly. Um, that near future title match is going to be against Drew McIntyre. I don't see Drew McIntyre really losing that WWE Championship anytime soon. He's doing really, really great as champion. I mean, he carries that belt well, he carries himself well, and he presents not only Raw, but WWE to the fullest, even during the times we're in. He's always just on top of his game as far as saying, I'm WWE Champion. It's almost like he's Nick Aldis. Nick Aldis yeah. very good with with representing himself as the NWA champion. He is, he speaks himself as I am the real world's champion. Well, Drew McIntyre is pretty much saying, you know, guess what, Nick, I'm world champion too, and yeah. I'm being a real world champion. I'm taking on all comers. I beat Dolph Ziggler. I beat Randy Orton. I beat Brock Lesnar for this WWE championship. You know, in less than five minutes in less than five minutes. <laughs> With a couple Claymore kicks after taking almost 100 F5s. But it's still the point is he beat Brock Lesnar for the WWE Champion. He even beat Seth Rollins with the WWE. So it's not like he had that reign where he was facing, you know, mid-card, you know, what people would consider mid-card guys. Um, But guys I don't think are mid-carders like Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler to me is not a mid-carder. I think he could be in a better spot on Raw than doing the underground stuff. But I was happy to see Dolph in the WWE title picture for a couple weeks. Um, but Drew McIntyre really just, you know, like his story says, from, you know, being the chosen one to being put in the 3MB to being fired to going through, and pretty much, what, two weeks after being fired, Mick Foley texting Triple H and saying, hey, you know, keep an eye on this kid. We just fired him. Well, keep an eye on him. Comes back, reigns up a little bit in NXT, comes up through the ranks in WWE, wins the Rumble this past uh, this past January, and now WWE Champion. And he's been a hell of a champion for the past five six months. And I think he's gonna ride that t- ride that that wave up until WrestleMania. I I agree. On top of that, the year he's had twenty one and zero. Twenty one and zero. Not many wrestlers can say they have more than 20 televised singles wins this year. Cody Rhodes is at 18, I believe, or John Moxley's at 18. I think Cody's at 19. I think Cody's but, at 19 and, and Moxley's at 18. Cody has that one blemish and Mox hasn't lost yet. Uh, MJF's, what, next at 9-0? and yeah, so uh, Cody Cody's eighteen and two actually. Yep. So, not many people. Alistair Black has over twenty. He has twenty three, I think. So, um, yeah. So Drew McIntyre's killing him. Exactly. He's he's, and I think he's going to ride that wave until WrestleMania. He can be one of those WWE champions that could break. You know, even as close as John Cena and CM Punk's records. Um, but he potentially has the skull fracture. <laughs> this is true too. This is hence the reason why we may not, we aren't seeing him at payback. Right. You know, so 
Um, speaking of Keith Lee, lost the NXT Championship at uh, NXT TakeOver 30 to Killing Cross. And um, then we go into NXT, and the first segment we see is Cross relinquishing the title due to injury, which was a very sad thing to see because, like I said to you, I think he could have had one heck of a run as NXT champion. Man, uh, what a debut! A couple of months for Karrion Cross. He comes in. I apologize. With- I said his name wrong. I'm thinking Killian yeah. Dane for a second. I don't know why, <laughs> but Carrying yeah. Cross. I apologize to those listening. So Carrying Cross comes in, uh, decisive victory over Tommaso Ciampa. N- no joke. Nobody's done that to Tommaso Ciampa. <laughs> decisive victory on his way to, yeah, winning that NXT Championship from from Keith Lee. And I have to be honest, I was sitting around after TakeOver, and I'm like, who, who is going to challenge this man? Dominant, dominant. It, you know, it could be that he just goes to the main roster when he gets healthy. Tick-tock. Watch out, Drew. <laughs> I was going to say, almost like a Drew McIntyre. You know, got hurt, and he went right into the main roster when we thought we were going to have him come back and into NXT. But no, he went right up to the main roster. So, on, I... I agree. I, we can see him as quick as he made his his leap in NXT go right up to the main roster. Um, we had a couple other new champions come in this week. We had um, Damian Priest win the North American Championship at TakeOver. Um, we also had another set of new champions come in, and that happened at TakeOver, but we had some new champions get crowned at NXT. And that was... The long-lasting team of Fandango and Tyler Breeze, well-known as Brizango. Finally. Yes. Getting some gold around their waist. <laughs> a couple of supermodel kicks and a leg drop will get the victory for them. So, yeah, that was nice to see. And, and um, it's interesting because Imperium had two title defenses in their reign. Uh, the first one was against Brizango. The second one was against Undisputed Era. Then they came back to Brizango and lost. So I don't know. Is it, I, they have, they're going to do a rubber match there, or if they're just going to move on. NXT UK starting up next September 17th, yep. the date. So maybe they would go back to the UK if they. I don't know what the. I don't know what. I honestly don't know what travel is like these days. Um, but. Really, inter- really interesting uh, tag title picture there. Um, pending on traveling, um, as far as I know, uh, people are allowed to travel under certain restrictions. So if it comes to, I think, I think they're starting to let people travel if it comes to like major work related stuff, um, entertainment, and all that stuff. So and they have to obviously get tested when they get to where they're going and quarantine themselves for ten days. So if Imperium goes back to NXT UK, you know, we may not see them for the first maybe two weeks that they're there because they may have to quarantine themselves but then go right back into business at in NXT yeah. UK. Um, but uh, speaking of the NXT title, and I know we kind of jumped around it, but I kind of got excited about talking about Brazango for a second. I was excited to see them win gold. But we get right to the NXT Championship. We are seeing a massive massive fatal four-way and and 
when you when I say massive, it's pretty much something that you would only do in the video game. A fatal four-way 60-minute Iron Man match between four past NXT champions, Finn Balor, Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, and Adam Cole. My my thought on this match, and and this is just my thought, is I have a feeling this match is going to end in a tie. Oh, man. But Gorilla Monsoon from WrestleMania 12 has told us that there must be a winner. <laughs> it, it, so... So here's what here's what I'm thinking. Um, when Regal comes to the ring to make that announcement, I, you know he's saying all the things, and I'm like, okay, check, check, four four champions. Okay, that's it'll be a good match. And then he says a 60 minute Iron Man match. Those words made the difference. That all of a sudden, you know, it's not one fall to a finish. It's gonna be a. a It'll be a car wreck. You know, Fatal 4-Way, typically there's not disqualifications. There's not countouts. So this is going to be a car wreck. And, you know, we had a huge blow-off between Ciampa and Gargano. And they're coming back around. <laughs> so Again. So, yeah. Again. And we're seeing Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano, two guys that pretty much ended their feud. Well, we're kind of revisiting it in this match. And... I mean, if I had to pick a winner, I would probably have to say Gargano. Because okay. ever since his heel turn, I mean, I know his heel turn hasn't been the greatest showing, but if I had to pick a winner, I'd have to go with Gargano. I think he has the upper hand in this match because of the fact that, and you spoke about WrestleMania 12, who's one of Johnny Gargano's biggest influencers? Sure, Shawn Michaels. I uh, I don't know that I disagree with you, but for the sake of uh, spirit of competition, I will pick Finn Balor, and we will see we will see if uh, one of us is correct. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ever since ever since Finn's been not a champion, I mean, he lost. He Finn just hasn't had the luck. I mean, he won the Universal Title. Next day, had to relinquish it. You know. Couldn't really hold on to the Intercontinental title for too long. Then went back to NXT after taking some, you know, personal time for himself. And pretty much almost every championship that he's gone after so far in NXT has eluded him. This could yeah. be his. This I I I don't know if I can disagree with you on that. This this could be his chance of, you know, one coup de gras on whoever's in the middle of that ring while the other two are outside. And I think that could be the deciding factor right there. And that yeah. coup de gras. I mean that double double clutch stomp on somebody is, and that's not his only not tool. Fun. The other, got the 1916 DDT as well, yeah. Which is, uh, you know, we'll get into the paradigm shift a little later, I'm sure. <laughs> well, <laughs> speaking of paradigm shift, and I was going to segue into that of AEW Dynamite. We had on a special night, which was Thursday night. It was live. Uh, the week before that, we obviously seen it on Saturday, which was. Um, as we all know, a taped show that they taped it earlier in the week um, because of the NBA playoffs. Um, but Dynamite still felt like Dynamite, still felt like an AEW show. It doesn't matter to me, it doesn't matter what night of the week they put it on. To me, it's AEW Dynamite. They stand on their own 
even if they're up against NXT. It's two separate shows. It's not like it's not like they're mirroring each other. For the first couple weeks, maybe, because you watch both shows, and, and how I did it was I would watch Dynamite Live, and then i watch NXT afterwards. So I literally sat four hours straight through professional wrestling on a Wednesday night. And then sometimes I would say, you know what? There's nothing on Thursday nights. I'm going to save NXT for Thursday night. And then I would just stay off the internet and not read any spoilers or anything that's going to spoil the show for me. Um, but as we spoke, Dynamite has been very entertaining, and Dynamite this past week was entertaining. And uh, one of the big entertaining things was the John Moxley MJF contract signing. Yes, it's. Uh, I had a unique experience with my Dynamite viewing this week. Is uh, I was out to dinner with my in-laws, and I came back at 9 o'clock. So as I turn on the TV, the first thing I see on Dynamite is the contract signing. I would, I would go back later and get, I'd catch the first hour actually off the West Coast feed uh, on the TNT app. So I'd watch the whole show, but it was kind of out of order. But that contract signing, it was different than most, right? There was, there was no physicality. None. But boy, there was a good exchange of words. There was hey. a really good word. <laughs> The table never broke. The no. table never broke. I mean, it, and as MJF MJF requested to keep uh, things social distanced uh, between him and Mox, like Mox hairline, and uh, you know, Mox told MJF, "Hey, you'll get there one day, kid. Just hit puberty first. Yeah. <laughs> my qu- my question with this is is, and you spoke of no paradigm shift. Do you think MJF has a chance of winning the world title? Yes. Yes, I think he has a chance. Yes, I think it's a possibility. Um, I don't know if it will happen or if it won't. I am undecided on what my formal prediction is going to be. But if you have to pin me down right now, I'm going to go with Moxley. Now, my part two question is, do you think it's too soon for MJF to hold the world championship. No. I think that it is important for AEW to establish a new star. Um, and, and that's not to, I'm not trying to say anything that, they, that they're not yet. Mm-hmm. But we've had Chris Jericho. We've had John Moxley. We've had Cody Rhodes. We've had Brody Lee. Those are your four, you know, singles champions in the men's division they have a plethora of stars that are not former WWE guys that um, that just need a little something and MJF I, I really you know he's at the top of that list not necessarily for his in-ring his in-ring is fine but his character work is is among the top in the company I think so, I think honestly he is in professional wrestling top heel. I mean his his work on the mic, his work in the ring. He only has one loss and that's in tag team action. You know he's he's just an all round. He is what you're looking for in a heel at his age. I, I mean at his age he's doing it doing a great job. Yeah, and I agree. I mean to put somebody a. And you said it, you know, Moxley and Jericho held the world title already. Brody Lee and Cody Rhodes held the TNT title already. To have a 
pretty much what you can say a non-WWE slash an original AEW superstar. Yep. Be a champion. And I agree with that because a lot of people a lot of people were like, oh, why didn't they put it on Hangman? Well, it's a new company trying to establish something. So they're going to you know, make that decision of, okay, maybe for the first couple months to bring some eyes into the product, put somebody that's well-known on TV, and who better than Chris Jericho? I mean, Chris Jericho has established himself over the past 20-plus years. Third, what, 30 years he's been in the professional wrestling. Guy's going to be 50, and he still looks great, moves great, does great things in the ring. And, hell, even on the microphone, at commentary. Yeah. Great job on commentary. I could see him... You know, when a guy like Tony Giovanni or Jim Ross decides, okay, you know, I'm retiring, done, I think we're going to see Chris Jericho in that booth. Yeah, strong possibility. Yeah, I think so. Um, another huge thing that happened on Dynamite, and one one match that I am super, super excited for to see it all out, is AEW Women's Champion Hikaru Shida against NWA Women's Champion Thunder Rosa. That match is going to be amazing. Straight I was up. Uh, when that video package aired last week, I was speechless. Yeah. Because, yes, that, th- this is one of those situations where I was like, that's the match I want to see, but it won't happen. Mm-hmm. It, but it is. But it is happening. Um, and she is. It, it, and I always thought, okay, there's a possibility the match could happen. But if it does, she won't be bringing that hardware. She won't. She won't be identified as the NWA Women's World Champion, but she is. Yeah. So, I think that match at All Out is going to be a very good match. I think. Will it steal the show? Probably not. But it's gonna. It's gonna turn. It's it's gonna it's gonna turn some heads. I think. See, I I think it's gonna be a show stealer, and I'm gonna do one better. And you're gonna dis- I have a feeling you're gonna disagree with me on this. But I think for the first time, we're gonna see a women's match as a main event in AEW. I think match? it's going to be main event. I think it is going to be the main event at all out. It really? is a huge match. You have your AEW Women's Champion. You have your NWA Women's Champion. You know, it's a gr- it's two huge stars. I mean, Thunder Rosa, you know, if you go to a very hardcore, you know, WWE fan and you say the name Thunder Rosa, they may say to you, who? Because they don't know who it is. Because they're stuck on that brand. Just like if you go to a hardcore AEW fan that doesn't watch any other product or is is between just WWE AEW, they see Thunder Rosa, they're probably wondering, who is this? You know, it, it, it's pretty much she was confined into being in NWA and just local promotions. But now we're getting her on this big stage. And honestly, I think that this is going to be the main event. I mean, I don't think Moxley and MJF is going to main event it. I don't. I understand the the value that your world championship and over the years of seeing WWE do it, they've haven't had the world championship as the main event on certain shows. You know, we've seen, you know, Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns fight in 
matches with no title on the line. You know, we've seen Roxena at WrestleMania with no title on the line. We've seen Undertaker and Shawn Michaels main event WrestleMania. I think this this match is going to be the main event on the card. I think this is going to be the last match we see. Wow. That's a bold prediction. And uh, we have one more Dynamite before the, beforehand. Um, you know, maybe, you know if, if Thunder Rosa is there and they establish that, then, you know, it could be. The, the thing about her is, um, we kind of we talked about it, she hasn't been on that grand stage. Mm-hmm. But, from the moment you see her for the first time, she's compelling. Oh, yeah. That face paint, and I know they've got Darby Allen who does a very similar style of face paint. Yeah. But, but Thunder Rosa, there's just, you know, between the name, her name, and then that face paint, she's just so compelling. And then she gets in the ring and she can go. Oh, yeah. She can go. So I think that if people have not seen her, if this is going to be the first time they see her, they're in for a real treat. Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially when she's in there with somebody like Sheeta. Yeah. Who can also really wrestle. Because both girls can go. Sheeta proved it at... Sheeta's been proving it for the the whole year. You know... she has, and even that match, at, even the match at Double or Nothing with Nyla Rose, literally was one of the best matches of the night. Right. You know, so yeah, I mean, that's my perspective. I mean, I could be wrong, and I'm just taking a long shot that this is going to be the main event. But I think it's a main event status match. Well, bottom line, I I not, think that not on the cards, definitely in our hearts. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, definitely, because it could be it could be the show stealer. It could be because the other matches you know we have coming up that are signed so far you know the tag match you know between FTR and Omega and and Hangman you know we got the world title we got um you know the eight man between the Dark Order and uh, and uh, the Nightmare Family and uh, Sky Cardona Sky and Cardona yeah it you know when you look at the card that's out there so far for All Out. You know, if you know who Thunder Rosa is, if you know who Hikarashita is, I mean, this, those two names stand out. Yeah. That's why I have a feeling this is going to be the main event. Um, yeah, so speaking of, of Hangman and Omega versus FTR, FTR gets a huge win in a gauntlet match that kicked off Dynamite. Um... You know, FTR, ever since they've come into AEW, have been very big on making sure that tag team wrestling is what it should be. You know, guys, you know, the counts being right, guys using the tag rope. And what I found, an unu- it was an unusual gauntlet match for me because usually in tag team gauntlet matches, we see tag teams win at least one or two matches. Here it was, you know, the Young Bucks won the first match and then... You know, they lost the second match to best friends, and then we seen FTR win. It was like every team had one match. I really enjoyed the column match in, in the sense that they told us ahead of time what teams are going to be in it, yep. what order they're going to come in, yep. why they're coming in in that order. Mm-hmm. It wasn't arbitrary, and it wasn't just to fit a storyline. Yep. This is why. And it made sense. And And I have to tell you that I, I'm a traveling wrestling fan, so I went to Revolution in February. Um, 
that tag, the tag title match on that card, that did steal the show. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it is the best wrestling match I've ever seen live, and it's one of the best matches I've ever seen. And so, I take that. Okay, you're sub out the Young Bucks, sub in FTR. You didn't lose anything in that. Yeah, so the the Fiend and Braun Strowman and guys like Brock Lesnar, they're all Goldberg. These are all attractions. These are all like big guys that can be in the main event without being anywhere near the world title. And I think that that is an important thing for WWE to try to pivot from. I don't know if they will, but I but I have always felt like keep that belt away from the fiend, keep it away from guys like Braun Strowman, because then you have a you have a main event style match to go with your world title match. So you have two you can have two big matches on any one card. So that's that's okay. This is sort of like this is what I would like to see more than what I necessarily think will happen. But um, but I do think Roman gets the belt. He moves away from um, The Fiend and Braun. They go their separate way. They continue their feud because I don't think that's over. There's more to that story. Definitely. And, and then Roman, we have to see him start marching. We have a killer Roman Reigns-Drew McIntyre match at Survivor Series. And we keep on, keep on plugging away. Yeah, because I agree that would be a killer match because they had an amazing match at WrestleMania last year. An yeah. amazing match. One of the best matches I think that were at WrestleMania last year. And it was not for a title. It was just a feud out match. Singles match. Grudge match. It was just, that was actually one of the best matches at WrestleMania. And there was no title involved. So now it's, you're going to have these two guys who, and, and even if you go back to WrestleMania, you sit there and look, oh wow, at 35... They fought each other in a non-title match. And now you have had Roman going after the Universal title. You have Drew going after the WWE title. Like, two guys that were in a match are both going for world championships. And now they could both end up being world champions going into Survivor Series and facing each other. So it's kind of cool to kind of see that come full circle because they've had great matches in the past themselves. Yeah, and Drew's on a different level than he was at 35. Oh, definitely. So it's going to have improved. Speaking of championships, real quick, Sami Zayn returns with the Intercontinental title. Yeah, he does. <laughs> I, I mean, he hasn't been around in how many months. He pretty much had to, was forced to relinquish the Intercontinental title, and then out of nowhere he returns with longer hair and pretty much screaming at Jeff Hardy saying, this is the real Intercontinental title. Dude, you got the title taken away from you. We've seen a tournament, and um, AJ Styles won it, and Jeff just won it last week. You know, do we see, and we only seen, what, two matches from Sami Zayn in 2020? We've seen yep. him at Elimination Chamber, and we've seen him at WrestleMania. Yep. Do we see an actual match from Sami Zayn? Do you think we actually see Sami Zayn face Jeff Hardy in an actual match? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think it'll be a good match. Um... I, I I agree, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry for cutting you off for one second. I agree, but Sammy just. I mean, and I know it's the 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 whole of the whole thing of it's just like riding a bike. You know, if you know what you're doing, it's just like riding a bike type of deal. However you want to say it. 
But it's just so weird to see Sami Zayn. <laughs> just awkward. Like, that definitely caught me all surprise. I, I didn't expect Sami Zayn to come back and hoist up the Intercontinental title and say, hey, Jeff Hardy, you know, I'm the real champion. This is the real championship. I didn't expect to see Sami Zayn pretty much ever again in WWE. I thought he was gone. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. When they um, when they first started the tournament, they said, they, I can't remember the exact words that they, they used, but they kind of were treating it the same way that they're treating the Cruiserweight title, that, that this is being held and, you know, and we're establishing a new champion. But along the way, somewhere they they kind of dropped that language and they said, "Okay, Styles is the champion." Sami Zayn, I think, has a legitimate gripe, um, and I think that it makes it makes for a good story. And I think, you know, like you said, he hasn't had that many matches. The one match that we saw at Elimination Chamber was a three-on-one handicap match. Yeah. But he really wasn't too involved there. And then he had the match with Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. So, I think a Jeff hardy Sami Zayn match sounds great. It could, be, it could be good. I mean, I think I might have to watch SmackDown a third time to kind of really let it sink in, or at least look on WWE.com and, and just kind of watch that happen again to let it kind of sink in and, and give me that feeling. But right now, I'm just kind of like, wow, Sami Zayn is back. And, I mean, I like Sami Zayn. I've always liked Sami Zayn. Just, it's kind of just weird to see him there. And and after the, the you know, thinking that he wasn't going to be back at all and wrestle and... I mean, and even, you know, you follow his Twitter feeds and stuff, he kind of, in a small sense, made that a little bit of a thing of, like, he wasn't good, but, I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm baffled by it. I think I'm going to have to watch it again just to kind of get that feel. Uh, one uh, one more small snippet. We've seen Sasha and Bailey in, in a promo. Um, obviously, uh, Payback, we'll talk about it, you know, in a little bit. Um, they're going to be taking on... Um, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler with the tag titles on the line. One small thing that I got from their promo was the fact of when Sasha was talking about she was holding the tag team title up in the air, she was talking about the tag title, the way she, the stare that she had on Bailey. Man, if you go back and watch that, that little bit, you just felt it when you see it. That little bit of Sasha, she's going to go after Bailey. I have a feeling she's going to. It's not going to happen anytime soon. We're going to see it happen. You know, as I uh, I post tons and tons and tons of things on social media, and it's like, give me your thoughts on this, give me your thoughts on that. Everybody for the last three months has been saying, and I think this is when the Sasha and Bailey feud starts. The Sasha and Bailey feud has started. What What's cool about it is it's not... It's not a hot start where we're going straight to a match. It's we're dropping this little thing here. We're dropping this little nugget here. This little nugget here. A dirty look there. A, a miss. I, I misspoke over here by saying not everybody can be a dual champion right after Sasha loses the belt. You know, so it's it's a slow burn. It's a very slow burn. It's been two years burning, but we're gonna get there. I don't know exactly know when. It is. It is old school pro wrestling story building 101. 
That is what it is, and I freaking love it, and I can't wait to see it. It's, I can't wait to see when it happens. When it finally comes to the head, I can't wait to see it happen. So, we decided to do a top five for the week of pro wrestling. Uh, your thoughts and my thoughts. Um, so, to introduce the top five, you may... Uh, may have the floor on your top five for the week in pro wrestling. So the the fun thing about this is uh, Mike's going to basically source majority of his top five from Raw, SmackDown, AEW. Um, I'm going to be looking at some other promotions, and we talked about how I watched New Japan before the, sh- the start of the show, so a lot of my picks this week are actually going to be from uh, from New Japan. But I also watch Impact regularly when ROH comes back. I'll be watching that, so I'll, I'll I'll pull from some of these other ones, so you kind of get a flavor of what's going on across across all of wrestling, at least all the major promotions. So I'm going to start with number five and work down to my number one. Number five, we talked about at the top of the show, Toru Yanu winning the KOPW Championship, a weird title, a weird person to win. For an inaugural champion, um, but it was it was a great moment, low blow, and roll up the the, the new Japan guy for the for the, uh, to win that match. Solidified him in number five. My number four, also from that show, Taiji Ishimori winning the IWGP Junior Heavyweight uh, Title, defeating Hiromu Takahashi, who is one of the best light heavyweight wrestlers in the world. Um, likely likely just so Takahashi can transition into the heavyweight division and have some heavyweight matches. So, great, great, um, great showing from him this week. Number three from Impact Wrestling, Diana Perrazzo had a killer 30-minute Iron Woman, Iron Man they called it, match on Tuesday's Impact Wrestling. Uh, it was number two match in the Perrazzo-Jordan Grace series. It, I mean, it was the main event. It was a, it was a semi-main on pay-per-view, and then they came back and they main-evented uh, a two-week special on Impact uh, on the Access TV. Great, great match. Three decisions. Uh, if you have a chance, go back and watch that. Number two on my list, Minoru Suzuki, a grizzled veteran who won the Never Openweight Championship this morning in a brutal match where he essentially punched Shingo Takagi, his opponent, into a state of confusion, put him in the rear naked choke, also known as the sleeper, turned it around into his finisher, the gotcha-style power driver, and took the victory. Just an incredibly physical match. Um, same thing with Shingo, though. He's probably going to transition into the G1 tournament and, and as a heavyweight, and we'll see how he does in that in that uh, endeavor. But my number one, number one for the week, Tetsuya Naito, who regains the IWGP Intercontinental and Heavyweight Championships with his victory over Evil this morning. There you have my top five. All right. Awesome. 
Uh, my top five, starting with number five, Brazango. Just simply finally getting some gold around their waist after being a tag team for so long. We've seen Tyler Breeze, you know, start off in NXT. Um, we've seen Fandango start off in NXT, worked their way up to the main roster, didn't hold any gold there, went back to NXT, and finally putting some title belts around their waist. Really excited to see these two hold the tag titles, and hopefully, I'm hoping they have a great run with them. I hope they're not a one-match-and-done team with those titles. I hope they keep these titles for a long time. Uh, number four, FTR, getting the number one contendership for the tag team titles at All Out against Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega. They won the Fatal 4-Way on Dynamite Thursday for AEW. Uh, number three was The Fiend. The Fiend getting his win over Braun Strowman at SummerSlam and becoming Universal Champion for a second time. Um, as much as I would like to see The Fiend hold this belt for a while, uh, as we talked about earlier, a huge possibility of Roman winning that championship on Sunday at Payback and uh, taking that title right away from The Fiend. Uh, my number two, Asuka. Um, as we spoke about near the top of the show, Asuka has been a superstar, if not the star, in the women's division. Uh, you know, she went after both the singles championships for SmackDown and Raw at SummerSlam, came out with one of them, and then on Raw defended her title in a in a in an, a lumberjack match against Sasha Banks in a rematch and kept the title there. I see Asuka having a legitimate longer run with this championship now. Um, and I honestly, I, yeah, I see her having a longer run with this belt. Number one was Brody Lee. Brody Lee came into AEW, revealed himself as the leader of the Dark Order, got a title match against Moxley, lost there, then kind of seen him not be in the spotlight a little bit, but then he comes back in the spotlight Dark Order becomes a little bigger again, and Brody Lee became the TNT champion on Dynamite last week. Um, and since then, I think has been one of the bigger stars in AEW, and I see him shining even brighter as he holds on to that TNT title. I see him having a lot more, I wouldn't say dominant matches like he had against Cody. I think he's going to have a little more competitive matches, but he's going to be, I feel, a dominant TNT champion. Um, I had two, um, notices here, uh, Karrion Cross winning the NXT championship, obviously had to relinquish it on NXT after winning a takeover because of injury, and then Damian Priest finally catching the NXT North American title, uh, he's been chasing that title for a while, finally won it, now let's see, uh, see how Damian Priest runs with this championship, um, those are my top five, and then my two noti uh, notices, so, um, yeah, so we have a pay-per-view coming up on Sunday, two pay-per-views in a row, and we have payback. Um, so if you'd like to, uh, you want to run through the card real quick, what we're going to see at payback on Sunday? Yeah, so we have uh, the main event of the show, or presumably the main event of the show is the universal title match that we've been talking about, Roman Reigns versus The Fiend versus Braun Strowman. The other major match that was announced first is the women's tag team match between Sasha Banks 
Bailey and their opponents, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. Matches that all the rest of the matches are from, uh, well, not all of them. We have Randy Orton versus Keith Lee. We have Apollo Crews versus Bobby Lashley for the United States Championship. We have the Monday Night Messiah, Seth Rollins and Murphy versus Dominic Mysterio and Rey Mysterio. And we have Matt Riddle versus King Corbin. So payback is actually a pretty... I mean, and usually usually when it comes to pay-per-views after a pay-per-view, sometimes we see rematches. We're only really seeing... And it wouldn't really consider it a rematch. We're seeing a triple threat for the Universal title. The Fiend and Braun Strowman are involved, but we have Roman now. But all the other matches... Well, I mean, Seth and Seth and uh, Dominic involved in a tag match, but everything else is pretty much is a brand new show. So it's not like we're seeing the same show back to back. We are seeing a brand new show, and the card for only being put together in a week. It's a pretty powerful card. That's compelling. It's there's not a bad match on here, and um, you know that Riddle Riddle and King Corbin has been brewing for a long time. Women's tag title makes sense. You know, Cruz and Lashley, I feel like that's also been brewing for a long time. So, yeah. I mean, ever since the full Nelson put him out of, put Apollo Cruz out of business for a while. So, you want to run down through the card, um, starting with the Matt Riddle and King Corbin match? You, who do you think is going to take that? Um, well, I think Matt Riddle is going to come out on top. Um, as you said earlier, King Corbin just hasn't had the best win-loss record of the year, and I think that's going to continue. I think Matt Riddle, and I believe this being Matt Riddle's first pay-per-view match, um, I think Riddle's going to come out on top on this one. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think um, they're not going to... Uh, I don't think Riddle's momentum is going to be stopped that quickly, and I think, yeah, King Corbin, what's one more loss? Yeah. <laughs> Let's transition into Seth Rollins and uh, Murphy versus the Mysterios. Um, I think the Mysterios come out on top in this one. Um, I mean, Seth Rollins defeated Dominic at SummerSlam. And then we've seen, you know, obviously at the end of Raw, the Mysterios get bested again. And then Retribution came out. I think this time around, I think the Mysterios come out on top. I think Dominic gets his first win in WWE. And it's going to be with his dad in his corner. That makes sense to me. And then the next night, we have uh, Rey Mysterio going back at Rollins again. So we know that it's it's not a period on the story. We know that there's a little bit more to it. So I think it makes sense have the Mysterios take this match and then come back around on Monday for the next installment. So then we have that United States Championship match. Paulo Cruz versus Bobby Lashley. Um, I mean, Apollo Crews has been having a really good run with the U.S. title. Um, he's been so far getting the best of the Hurt Business. Um, my honest opinion, I think he's going to come out on top against Bobby Lashley. Some way, somehow, he's going to come out on top of Bobby Lashley. He's going he's gonna to best Bobby Lashley in this match. I think it's a situation where um, Apollo Crews can win the arm wrestling match. He can beat MVP. I don't think he's beating Bobby Lashley. I think this is the end of his title reign. We'll, uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I really do think that Bobby Lashley, once he puts that full Nelson on, sort of lights out. And that's if he gets the full Nelson on him. That's fair, fair enough. Follows pretty quick. Uh, next up we have Randy Orton versus Keith Lee. 
Um, I have a feeling this is gonna is gonna end in a DQ. I have a feeling that we may see Drew McIntyre get involved in this match. I mean, he got involved on Monday night. Um, you know, got sent to the hospital after punting him a third time. I have a feeling Drew McIntyre shows up and and gets in the middle of this match and and costs it again for Keith Lee, and then I think that will either resume the feud between Drew McIntyre and Orton, or it's going to start something between Keith Lee and Drew McIntyre. You know, one of the thing the thing that I was actually looking for to happen on Sunday SummerSlam that didn't happen, which could happen here, is. Randy Orton lines up to punk kick Keith Lee, we'll say. But then Edge's music comes on. Edge doesn't need to come out. His music just needs to play. To cause enough of a distraction, whatever, and give Keith Lee the win. I'm going to pick Keith Lee. I think that the Rocket is going to be strapped to him. He's going to win the match. Will it be a DQ? I don't think so. I think he's going to get not necessarily a clean victory, not a sparkling clean I think there will be some sort of shenanigan, but I think he's going to walk out with a victory over Randy Orton to, either, to really either, launch. Either Edge's music or Drew McIntyre's music. That's true. Could be true. But, I, but what I think is going to happen is I think Orton is going to pair off. I mean, the big match for Orton is another Edge match. Now, Edge isn't ready yet, but we can start that program. Randy doesn't wrestle every week, you know, so we can start that program and move in that direction, have Drew break off and wrestle somebody else. Maybe Keith Lee. Maybe, maybe Keith Lee. <laughs> the, uh, uh, what I'm calling the semi-main, the co-main, the women's tag team championship match between Sasha Banks, Bailey, and their opponents, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. Um... This is a hard one. I mean, because, like we talked about a little bit ago, the Sasha Banks-Bailey feud slowly burning. You can see the snippets happening. At the same time, you have Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler who have not been too friendly to each other. I mean, you know, Shayna Baszler saying that Nia Jax was like Haystacks Calhoun and Shayna Baszler being called, you know, an Adams Family lookalike. And then they pretty much saying to each other, like, you know, Shayna saying, I'll help you win those titles if you lay off my back. Honestly, there's so much in this match that can happen. It's hard to say what I think could, who's going to win because of the fact of everything that's going to happen. But if I would have to say, if I would have to pick a clear-cut winner right now, I have to say, some way, somehow, Sasha and Bailey walk away with those titles. Yeah, I agree. Golden role models for the win on this. Yep. I think... Um... What I really think is happening here is we're go, we're pushing ourselves towards Shayna Baszler versus Nia Jax. This is as much an angle to set up Sasha and Bailey as it is to set up uh, set up that match. So um, I think that Shayna and Nia will make better enemies than friends. Yeah, definitely, and and two uh, just two big storylines that can happen in in one match. Just, just, just like similarities of Orton and Keith Lee facing each other. I mean, Edge is still involved with Orton. Drew McIntyre is still involved with Orton. Drew McIntyre could be involved with Keith Lee. You know, we never know. Just 
Storylines built in. And finally, we've already talked about it a lot on the show, but Universal Title Match, Roman Reigns, the returning Paul Heyman guy, Roman Reigns, versus (laughs) Braun Strowman, the monster. No longer the monster among men, just the monster, versus the fiend. Um, man, uh, did I convince you? I mean, <laughs> you really convinced me on this Roman thing. Um, so I, and to make a, a really quick decision on this, you know what? I I have to I have to say the Phoenix escapes. Okay. I think the Phoenix escapes. I think Roman is going to be too. Um, I mean, because. If you play into the factors of things that have happened in the past with Roman not being able to make Mania and then Braun Strowman filling in, you know, and if they tie into the storylines of what, you know, Braun said in his interview about Roman, I think Roman lets his emotions get the little best of him in this. Um, Eventually, Roman will capture that championship. I think it will happen sooner than later, but I think right now The Fiend is going to escape um, either because of a no decision where Roman and Braun end up just fighting their way out of the arena and we end up off the air with no clear-cut winner, or he ends up hitting Sister Abigail on Strowman and getting the pin. So I'm going to add to my prediction from earlier. I talked about how I felt like Roman was going to win this match. And eventually he'd get to Drew McIntyre. Along the way, the match we're going to get once Roman, once my prediction comes true and Roman Reigns wins that title, we're going back to Spear versus Spear. I think that Goldberg match versus Roman match is still on the books. And I think that, I think WWE, Vince McMahon, they want to have that match. I think Roman probably wants to have that match. They had a, they had a really interesting story building up. Roman was annoyed about Bill Goldberg being a part-timer. Um, and, yeah, I, I mean, I think that we're going back there. So, I don't, I, clearly it probably won't be Survivor Series because that's kind of already pre-booked as Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT. Yep. But maybe that's a Royal Rumble match or something like that. So, Or they can even build it to the fact where Roman ends up going to WrestleMania with it and facing Bill Goldberg. Yeah, or yep. We end up seeing Goldberg come back and we revisit Bill Goldberg versus The Fiend. Him saying, you know, I took you down once and I'll take you down again. Simply can jump back into that. (laughs) (laughs) Can simply jump back into Goldberg saying, hey, I beat The Fiend once, I can do it again. And then he ends up doing it again and then we see Goldberg and Reigns. And Reigns ends up winning... Reigns ends up winning the Rumble. We'll, we'll find out in the next couple months. But we got payback coming up on Sunday. We got a really big week of wrestling coming up. We got payback on Sunday. We got Monday Night Raw. Dynamite's back on, on track on Wednesday. SmackDown's obviously on Friday. Uh, Impact Wrestling is going to be on Tuesday. Um, is there anything else that you would like to plug in? NXT programming, no. NXT is on Tuesday this week. That's right. NXT is on Tuesday. I totally forgot about that. All this programming changes. Thank you, NBA playoffs. But, um, 
All right, well, uh, that'll be a wrap on the very first Wrestling City Pro Wrestling Podcast. So, uh, all right, guys, well, that'll be the wrap, and uh, we'll be back next week with a brand new show. Until then, we're signing off. Have a good week, guys. Have a good week.